Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves, to others. We don't want to believe what is happening and then we are asked not to tell anyone what's happening. And so we stay silent, terrified, complicit in lies, lies that are not our own and we'll do anything just to try to survive. I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that sharing our secrets, telling our stories, saying out loud what has happened to us is one of the most profound ways for us to begin to heal, especially if we do it in a community. That's why I created this podcast, This Space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories, to confess our secrets, so they no longer own us, so they no longer have power over us. You are not alone. And this is the Change of Air podcast. I first read them when I was 14. I read them again at 16 and at 18. And I immediately recognized parts of myself, but I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know what to do with the information I was reading. So I read them again at 22, at 26, at 34, and at 40. Any time that my life has felt confusing or overwhelming, I would come back to these again and again and again. I would search them, I'd mine them almost, for clues to my own behavior. I knew that I was acting differently from the people in my life, but I couldn't quite make the connection between what I was reading in these books and how I was behaving. So I'd return to them again, (laughs) over and over, looking for clues to my own behavior, mining the words for help, for comfort, for some sort of way to feel less confused. I'm talking, of course, about the 13 characteristics of adult children of alcoholics. Have you heard of them? Have you come across them? If you have, have you been just as confused and frustrated, but also continually curious about them as I have been? If you have come across them at any point in your ACOA journey, you probably know what I mean about these traits. Being listed and categorized at all and knowing they applied to me, but kind of hoping just to be able to read them and know right away, like I wanted to say like, oh, yes, characteristic nine, that is exactly what's going on with me. And here is the one, two, three, easy solution to fix this problem. There are 13 of them. I'll just follow all 13 and I will be healed right? Like that was my hope in reading those. That was not the case. (laughs) And I remember in first discovering these 13 characteristics of adult children of alcoholics, thinking to myself, wow, this probably is me. But in reading them, I kept feeling frustrated because they weren't totally me. They didn't capture everything that I was going through. Some of them were a little bit uh, crummy. They made me feel bad Almost as if I would think to myself, oof, I hope this isn't me. I hope I don't do these things. But I came to the 13 characteristics when I was 14. So the very idea that at 14, I could know myself fully and know all the things I was going to encounter in life and all of the weird ways I behave in relationships, romantic and professional and platonic and friendships and strangers at the coffee shop, I couldn't possibly have known at 14. So I couldn't meaningfully process these 13 characteristics and exactly what they meant in my life. 
for a really long time. I think that's why I kept returning to them, trying to see if I understood more a year later and a year later and a year later. But at the same time, it was a comfort that they existed at all. And they exist because Dr. Janet Wojtitz wrote Adult Children of Alcoholics, a very well-known ACOA book. We've talked about it before, certainly on social media. A lot of you have read this book. It's one of the first seminal books we're told to read when we begin to figure out this might be what's going on in my home. So in that book is where I first found them. And it gave me comfort that an expert had come up with a list of traits. It meant that there were traits. <laughs> and if there were traits, we could decode them and understand them and hopefully fix them. She's written a ton. She's written several books about being an adult child and alcoholic and a lot of the characteristics that are common among all of us. So it was a relief to know that there was enough commonality that after looking at thousands of ACOAs, there were things that could be like quantified in some sort of scientific way. Though they upset me and confused me, they did also tell me that I was not alone. That if someone was writing a book about these things, I certainly was not the only one who was experiencing these things. And it kind of gave me hope that if it could all be boiled down to 13 things, we're solvable. This thing we face that's so confusing is solvable. That growing up with alcoholic parents is solvable. Obviously, I read them a lot. <laughs> And at 14 and 16 and 18 and 22 and 26 and 34 and 40 and a lot in between. And another piece of it is that if you've read them, you know that it's not easy. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you're following Change of Air, if you're sharing your stories as bravely as I'm trying to share mine, we all know this is not an easy solve. This is not read 13 characteristics, get 13 solutions, and move on with your life. But when I was new to the very idea that you could be an adult child of an alcoholic, that that was even a thing, these 13 characteristics really gave me hope. I clung to them. I looked for myself in them. I tried to crack the code of me by reading them. And I really couldn't do it, but I could see glimpses of myself. We'll go through them today because I think it's important and even if they make you feel crummy or confused or, oh, I hope that's not me, which I went through a lot, I think they're a really good place to start because it helps you begin to understand what might appear in your life, what behaviors, what motivations might start to creep in as we mature and get older and start to really come to terms with what kind of home we grew up in. So I'm going to run through them. And I think what we'll do in this podcast over many episodes is it's going to be a lot of things. I want to make sure that we cover a lot of the tools that I first came to, even the tools that were not effective for me early on. Everyone is different. If this is the first time you're hearing these, these might be really effective for you. I also want to talk to a lot of you on this podcast about your own stories. And I want to talk to experts about all the different healing modalities that have been so effective for me and others. But I feel like where we need to start is where I started with these characteristics and trying to understand who I was as a result of them. I'm just going to read them and I'm going to include these in the episode notes as well, because if you haven't read Adult Children of Alcoholics by Dr. Janet Wojtitz, I think you should. It's definitely dated. It definitely 
has terrible fonts. I think there are even some examples in the book of women earning like $20,000 a year and being the breadwinner of their family. The book is definitely of a different time. Not necessarily modern therapy or thinking about children of a, a, adult children of alcoholics, which is, to be very honest, why I started Change of Air. I don't feel that many of the tools and programs and groups and systems that are currently in place are very modern. They don't take into account any kind of Eastern perspective on wellness or movement, mind, body movement, connection. You need only read The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk to understand how powerful movement and connecting to our bodies have been in healing, how profound that kind of connection is. And I felt like some of these early books, the ones that were introduced to me when I was very, very young, they were all so dated. They were dated when I got them. And it didn't feel it represented me in any way, which I think created a barrier for me in even accessing the healing that was in the book because it just felt so not me. And so much of change of air from the way it looks to the f images and photography and the experts will speak to and everything I've shared over these years has been to create something that does feel like me, that feels modern, that feels beautiful. Why in trying to understand this complicated thing does everything have to be like really ugly book covers? And <laughs> I, I just wanted it to feel beautiful. We'll get into this in a future episode, but even things like AA meetings and the language, everything just felt, because I would listen to, you know, I would drop, be dropped at Al-Anon and then she would go to her AA meeting. And I felt that the language was even the same. I felt like even the language that was used to help us heal or to help us understand what was going on in our homes was like borrowed from somewhere else, another system from AA, and then just sort of like tweaked and given to us. And it just felt, again, as a teenager... Like, why is all of this so ugly and it, literally ugly internally, right? Like, I didn't want to deal with any of it, but also none of it felt pretty or special or caring or soft or safe. Yeah, it all felt really dated. And that's ultimately why I created Change of Air. But I share that with you now before we get into these characteristics, because they, they may also feel dated. Number one, adult children of alcoholics guess at what normal is. Number two, adult children of alcoholics have difficulty following a project through from beginning to end. See what I mean? Not things I'm super proud to be. Certainly not at 14. Number three, adult children of alcoholics lie when it would be just as easy to tell the truth. I think I ignored this one for at least a decade because I didn't want it to apply to me. Of course, now as a proper adult, I realize it absolutely applies to me. Number four, adult children of alcoholics judge themselves without mercy. Yeah, that's me. That one I recognized the second I read it, the very first time at age 14. Number five, adult children of alcoholics have difficulty having fun. Also me. Number six, Adult children of alcoholics take themselves very seriously. Also me. Number seven. Adult children of alcoholics have difficulty with intimate relationships. Also me. But I didn't understand that and, and think that was true at 14. Number eight. Adult children of alcoholics overreact to any change over which they have no control. Yeah, definitely me. 
I also think that's a lot of people who didn't have disordered families, but definitely applies to me. Number nine, adult children of alcoholics constantly seek approval and affirmation. Yep, me. Definitely a people pleaser. Number 10, adult children of alcoholics usually feel they are different from other people. Yeah, I kept reading these over and over because I was new. I knew I was different. I knew that something was wrong. I was reading these characteristics because I knew I felt different. And I was, as I said, kind of hoping that in reading these, I would crack the code. Feeling that I was different, but wasn't the only one who felt different kind of gave me hope, especially when I was really young and read these all for the first time. Because though I didn't understand them, and I didn't know myself well enough to know that I didn't know how to have fun and that I w- you know, was telling these weird lies and I was sort of denying my own needs and saying yes to things I didn't want to, to people please. I, I didn't understand any of that intellectually about myself at 14, but I absolutely understood the very first time I read these that I was different. Number 10 stood out so clearly to me. Number 11. Adult children of alcoholics are super responsible or super irresponsible. For most of my life, I've landed on the super responsible spectrum. But as we've talked about on Instagram and in some of our group chats and at our events, definitely been super irresponsible in some ways as well, particularly around money, which is a whole ACOA thing we'll get into in a separate episode. Adult children of alcoholics and money is... You know, I mean, we could do nine episodes on just that one topic alone, (laughs) and we probably will. Number 12, adult children of alcoholics are extremely loyal, even in the face of evidence that that loyalty is undeserved. Yeah, definitely hit me hard. They say that children of alcoholics become workaholics, and though, like, number 12 says we're extremely loyal, even though there's evidence to indicate that we should not be that loyal, for me, where this has expressed itself mostly in my life is in the workplace. Just people pleasing, even in the face of really toxic work environments, staying really loyal, even when people in my life at work were awful. And then other people from the outside would look in and say, why are you staying in this situation? And I would remain crazy loyal even when it was really, really clear it was hurting me and detrimental to my health and mental health, um, I would stay. So this rang true-ish at the time I was too young. But certainly now looking back, uh, number 12 has been a theme throughout my life that I have had to do a lot of work on in therapy. This very idea of staying around uh, and being loyal, even when that loyalty is not deserved, can also apply to all of your relationships in not a great way. Something we'll talk about at some point. Divorce, relationships, all of that. And characteristic 13, the last one. Adult children of alcoholics are impulsive. They tend to lock themselves into a course of action without giving serious consideration to alternative behaviors or possible consequences. This impulsivity leads to confusion, self-loathing, and loss of control over their environment. In addition, adult children of alcoholics spend an excessive amount of energy cleaning up the mess. Yeah, that's a doozy. (laughs) And I remember reading this when I was 14 and actually being kind of terrified to think that I was impulsive, 
that I was going to be making a lot of messes in my life. I was so young and I was afraid that I would make so many messes and I didn't even understand what self-loathing was. I didn't even understand like, control dynamics in situations. You know, I was 14. That's to be expected. But I do remember reading this and thinking, ooh, I really hope that my parents aren't drinking. I really hope that I've picked up this book just, just as like preventative measure. <laughs> I mean, I knew that they were. Why else would I be reading this book? But I also thought this is really crummy stuff. Because of what my parents are doing, I'm going to become someone who is a liar, a people pleaser, doesn't know how to have fun, can't be intimate, constantly seeking approval, super responsible or irresponsible, creates a giant mess over and over, is full of self-loathing. I was hoping that maybe, though there was great comfort in it existing, because someone had to write all of this because it meant there were more of us, I, I really, really remember thinking, okay, these are good guidelines, and maybe maybe my alcoholic home isn't this severe. <laughs> maybe these things will never apply to me. Maybe a number 10 that felt really real to me, uh, number one, two, or three, fine. But all of these, maybe my home isn't that severe. And so all of these things are not going to apply to me. I was really hoping for some sort of get out of jail card somehow that, <laughs> that maybe if only one of my parents drink or they only drink wine in the middle of the day, even though she has had to come from home from work drunk recently and certainly is drunk enough when my friends come over, like maybe that's like four of these apply to me if it's only minimal drinking. And then maybe if my stepfather starts drinking, then maybe five of these will apply to me. I was hoping to get out of this unscathed. These are not attractive qualities. They were not things I wanted. I did not want these things to happen to me. I share this because if you're new to this, if this is the first time you're hearing these, I completely get it. This list feels really overwhelming. It's so overwhelming that Dr. Wojtitz actually mentions, and it's, it's something I didn't see for many years and I really wish that I had, I, I would read this and shove the book away and read it and shove it away because it was so difficult. These are really hard things. But she would say that... Once an adult child of an alcoholic recognizes and understands why they are the way they are and that they are not alone, they can begin to heal. It would have been useful to have read the set of sentences many years ago that sort of like gave clarity to these. Through my own investigations into myself, through therapy, through yoga, through meditation, through breath work, through an enormous amount of reading, through Al-Anon meetings through hating Al-Anon meetings, through ACA meetings, through hating ACA meetings and going back and forth again and again and doing more reading, I did ultimately come to the same place that, that these characteristics are a guidepost. They are information about what might happen. And maybe there's a reason I didn't see her paragraph about um, these may not all apply to you. Maybe there's a reason I didn't see it all these years ago, because I had to find my own way. But I think it's really important if these are new to you, if this is the first time you're hearing about these, if it's the first time you're taking in them, taking them in right now, it's important to understand, okay, my parents were alcoholics. This obviously affected me. 
in a pretty big way. And I need to start to unpack this and understand this. But you're not a bad person. And you're not a terrible liar. <laughs> you're not loyal to, to a fault in a way that's extremely crummy. We just want to honor that you're here and that you're open to these characteristics and learning about them. And trust me, over the course of this podcast, we are going to unpack each one. There will be a little mini episode all about people pleasing, a mini episode all about judging ourselves without mercy and what that looks like. Because for each of us, our circumstances were different. I mean, we're different anyway, but how one adult child of an alcoholic can be super responsible is really different than how another one can be or how I react in a situation where I decide I want to people please could be really different than how you handle it. I think these are worth unpacking individually because even as I just read those, it's a lot to take in, right? I don't want you listening to this and thinking I need to go deeper and now I'm more confused. Um, but as you've listened to the 13, I'm so curious to know what resonated for you. Which of the characteristics felt like, oh, yep, yep, that's definitely me. And if there are some that felt like, ooh, I really, really hope that's not me. Whatever you're feeling, I just want to honor that and acknowledge that in you showing up and wanting to know what these are and starting to have a better understanding of them at all is huge. This is not easy work, but it's also doable work. And I think that's a really important part of healing. Start with the easy stuff. And our Instagram, you know, sort of wellness quote world. I mean, to think if I just had Instagram all back then, I would somehow be healed from some Instagram quotes, you know, is one way to think about it. But the other way to think about it is there are so many people trying to navigate what we're trying to navigate. And I know that it can feel impossible. I know that it can feel hard. We've seen so many Instagram quotes about healing is not linear for a reason. It's not. And as much as I wanted these 13 characteristics to be, you know, some sort of scientific way to solve my problems, and that turned out not to be the case, it also doesn't have to be so weighty and so hard all the time. And so I think if we approach these characteristics as anything that we talk about and, and try to better understand, we can also approach it from a sort of lightness. Let's learn about ourselves. Let's see what comes up. Some days that's going to be a lot harder, but I shared something very deep yesterday that a lot of you are responding to, and that was hard, and it was hard to share, and I cried and cried reading your notes. Other days, I find a tool or something that I think will be useful or has been useful to me, and I'm so excited to share it with you, and it feels so easy and light. So I just encourage you to continue the journey that you're on, continue trying to understand all of the things, and know that you're not alone. And that some of this is really confusing and it requires not just reading a list of characteristics and not just attending meetings, but it requires us to learn who we actually are before we can learn who we could be. If we dealt with some of this shit, we have to understand who we currently are before we can understand why am I acting this way? We have to understand how we normally act <laughs> and then we can start using this framework of characteristics to say, huh, I might be acting this way because of characteristic eight or 10. Maybe that's what's going on with me. So just having this framework, I think, provides enough structure 
to start unpacking what happened to us and how we get to be the people who break the cycle and who understand it in a way that means we don't have to continue the cycle in our lives. If you're parents, you don't have to continue the cycle with your children. It stops with us. And in order for it to stop with us, we have to do the brave work of figuring all of this out in the first place. So those are the 13 characteristics. Some good, some not great. (laughs) I'm so glad you joined me. We will be unpacking each one in a separate episode very soon. I am sending you so much love. And I'm going to be doing a really exciting podcast next. So stay tuned for episode three. Love you so much. Thank you so much for being here. You are safe here.